In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this today I am recording from Germany, where everybody is completely engulfed in football or soccer, as our American friends say, for the for the VM that's going on. And we're off to a good start, some with a little better start than others. But wherever you're listening for, we're going to have a great start today. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new, let me tell you a little bit what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values, they may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes. You can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me Send me your thoughts and insights to Leadership Beyond Borders. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to get a mail from you. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you're a professional business person with a passion, or if you're an expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We have a worldwide audience. But even if you don't want to be a guest, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. So on to what we're going to talk about today. And um, it's a subject that lies dearly in my heart because I'm an avid user. We're going to talk about e-commerce. Now, the United Kingdom, Germany, and the U.S. are leading the percentages of retail sales that are online, according to Statista. Uh, For consumers around the globe, the most well-known form of e-commerce falls into business-to-consumer category, which this includes online retail and online shopping. Now, most of us, when we think about that, we think about bricks-and-mortar retails such as Walmart or web-only online retailing corporations such as Amazon. But it's not just about Walmart or Amazon. It's also about small local businesses that are putting their inventory online, trying to reach new customers. It's also about people starting online shops, wanting to work from their home, and finding products, starting an online shop so that they can have a different kind of lifestyle. And it's predicted that the online commerce will reach 4.48 trillion U.S. dollars by 2021. And already in Asia-specific, e-retail sales accounted for about 13% of all retail in 2017. 
So even though more and more businesses are moving to e-commerce, still only 26% of local businesses have e-commerce because although setting up e-commerce is quite simple, it can also be confusing to a local business. And setting up e-commerce is about speed, adaptation, getting the message right. And I remember when I was growing up, there was a company, and the company is still out there, of course, called Sears, and they were the top company in catalog retail mail order. Now, I would wait for my dad to come home each fall and bring the Sears catalog so I could pick out my three new outfits for the school year. And then I would fill out the form, send it in, and I'd get my outfits in the mail. Now, Sears, because they had a monopoly in this in the United States, they could be today in the top 10 e-commerce sites, but they, they're not. They're ranking about 31. And why is that? Did they not adapt quickly enough? Did they not position themselves correctly? I mean, it was a strong brand. I don't know what happened. But that's what e-commerce is about. If you're one of the big guys, it's about brand positioning and customer service that wins you returning loyalty. And if you're a little guy, you need to know a lot more. You still need to know that. But you also have to have good product ideas, the logistics, technical side, and a lot. And it can be confusing. And that's what we're going to talk about today with an expert on e-commerce. Chloe Thomas is the founder of e-commerce master plan. She is a best-selling author, international and keynote speaker, and host of the e-commerce master plan podcast, all of which are built on her experience in e-commerce strategy and marketing. Her recent book is on Amazon and is called Customer Persuasion, How to Influence Your Customers to Buy More and Why Ethical Approach Always Wins. Chloe has been working in the online marketing space since 2001 and has been deeply involved in e-commerce since 2004. Across her career, Chloe has seen many businesses that have struggled to get grips with e-commerce. And in response, she crafted the e-commerce master plan to help companies plan, develop, and grow a successful e-commerce business while avoiding the pitfalls that can happen along the way. She Presently, she works with both client-side and supplier-side businesses in the space, helping the former to grow their business faster and helping the latter to attract more of the former. And this includes speaking at new business events, client conferences and webinars, as well as having her own podcast. So, Chloe, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks, Kimberly. It's lovely to be here. So, uh, Chloe, let's just start really simple, okay, um, because we have listeners have different degrees of knowledge. So, when, when I'm just talking about e-commerce, what am I talking about? Well, I like to classify e-commerce because it's one of those words which a lot of people get confused about. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to classify it as being a business. So, it's not a hobby. It's not a... Uh, it's not something that you're, you know, just doing for a bit of fun. It's something you're taking seriously like you would any business. So there's budgets and there's plans and there's strategies and you've actually thought it through. Um, it must also be selling a product. There is obviously service side e-commerce as well, but I like to focus on the world of physical product and selling that. And then the transaction, and this is the really important bit, the transaction must be happening online. So we're talking about a business that's selling a product and taking the money for that product online. 
Okay, so that that gives us a little bit of the clarity um, on what we're talking about. So my next my next question to you is when when as I said before, when we think about that, we think about big companies, okay? Um, but what I read in the statistics said only twenty six percent of small businesses are now having an e commerce enabled website or engaging it. Why do you think that is? I mean. There's obviously quite a lot of the small business community where it's not a relevant route to market for them. You know, if you think about the, um, the, the your local gardener, you know, who has a number of clients who he visits once a week to mow their lawn and all the rest of it, actually to add an e-commerce arm to his business would probably cause more problems than it's solved because, mm-hmm. you know, he might not have updated it with what he's actually doing and what he's agreed with other customers. So people, he ends up double booked and all the rest of it. So I think a lot of small business owners have made the right decision in not adding e-commerce to their business. Mm-hmm. But I think there's there's a large group of them who just don't really, whether they're scared or whether they can't see how it, it's going to help them or whether they just haven't really even realized it's a possibility. I think there's a lot where that comes comes into play as well. And there's, you know, as, as the world of the internet has improved and become more streamlined and easier to do over the years, unfortunately, it's taken a while to become streamlined and easy to do. So there's quite a lot of horror stories out there, which I think scare people off a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, um, but I just want to stay on who's doing it right now. Yep. So, so we have we have the small businesses, and as you said, probably some of it might not be relevant. But then we have this new trend also of people who want a different kind of lifestyle and they want to do things from home, and and they're starting businesses. Are you seeing um, a lot of those kind of startups? Oh yeah, loads. Um, mm-hmm. And I. Blame is the wrong word, but I think Shopify is at the root of a lot of it. Um, <laughs> but for, for the good good of it, I mean, there's some brilliant businesses coming out with creating some amazing products that really help people that do good for the world, as well as simply, uh, you know, creating the profits that we're all after that have been made possible by the Internet. And the fact that the Internet means you can reach a niche audience that is suddenly large enough because you can reach the whole, you know, all of them across the world, that audience can become big enough to make it successful. So I think there's, there's, there's a lot of people now having a great product idea and taking it straight to market using e-commerce. And there's a lot being successful, but there's also a lot not being successful. Mm-hmm. So we have we have this group of people and, and I want to stay on this product idea. So mm-hmm. that that's the core of everything, isn't it? Or, and what, how do you come up with a good product idea? Because you have different markets and does it have to be unique? Does it have to be niche to be successful? Can you talk to us about the product idea? Yeah, the product idea is it's a, it's a conundrum for me um, because it's, you see people being successful with all kinds of different approaches to the product piece, you know, it being completely unique and something no one's ever thought of before and brand new to the market. Then you see people being incredibly successful with, you know, yet another watch brand or yet another clothing brand. And I find it quite interesting that you, that there is this, this kind of me too, well, me too is not quite the right phrase, but this, they're being successful in it. Let me jump on that bandwagon. And I think that's quite interesting in this space. And it's why I kind of struggle because I'd be like, well, you need to find something that's not too competitive. But then there are people being really successful in things that are really competitive because they found a different route or, or a niche within a niche. Um, so it's really hard to say exactly what's going to work from a how to approach your product strategy. I think the 
the the permanently good advice is to say try and identify something that no one else that that a customer group that's underserved and that can be a really subtle difference from what's already out there and then make sure you test that product so take it and put it in front of that audience whether that's taking photos of your ideas and your sketches and sharing them with a relevant Instagram group or, you know, building a relevant Instagram following and see what they want or a Facebook group, or even going down to your local farmer's market, if it's a food product and getting people there to test it. Um, You've really got to get that customer feedback early in the process. Mm -hmm. And to do that by building an e-commerce site first is an awful lot of work. Mm -hmm. And and when we're talk when we talk about products and and for for people who are just getting into garment commerce, we hear a lot of lingo too. So you just talked about niche products, okay? Yes. And we hear about niche markets and category markets. Could you explain what that means to our listeners? It's again, it's something which I think it, it can work in both areas. I prefer to think of it as being a a bit of a continuum. And it's all about how niche you want to get. So rather than think of it as category or niche, I like to think of it as being there's there's the stores which sell everything. And it's really hard to be one of those, you know, really, really hard to create a new Amazon. But if you come back away, then you've got the point at which you are um, you are kind of semi-niche and becoming more niche and more niche. <laughs> and the more niche you get the easier marketing online tends to become because the internet works on keywords. Um, So that can make things really easy if you can get really, really niche. If all you sell is watches, your keywords and customers understanding what you sell is a lot easier than if you sell watches and uh, T-shirts. But if it's all about the brand and the edit, then you're probably going to need more than just watches to do it. It's about, it becomes about a lifestyle and then that's obviously a little less niche. So there's, there's solutions at each level and there's different ways of going about things at each level. The important thing is understanding where you are and what sort of business you're building to make sure you then make the right decisions about how to build it. Because mm-hmm. if you are watches and watches only and you're, you're trying to do the marketing campaign that would work for a bricks and clicks uh, women's boutique who sell mainly denim then you're not really gonna you're not gonna be you're not deploying the right tools to build the business you want mm-hmm. and that's let me just follow up with one quick question on that because you said you said that if if you're a women's boutique so so now if you're doing online only you find that niche market but then if you if you're actually a boutique you're you're trying to combine the physical world and the e-commerce is that a little bit more difficult because because you have a different kind of variety of products possibly in your store? I mean, the good thing is you should already understand your customer. You should mm-hmm. have a good grasp of your products and your margins and all that stuff, which the guys who are coming into this cold have no idea about. So you've kind of got to step up on that mm-hmm. front. The thing which you, which you have to make sure if you don't want to catch a cold and it all go horribly wrong is that you've got your stock really well integrated. Mm-hmm. that's crucial because you don't want to have someone ordering something online that isn't in your physical store and you don't want someone buying something in your physical store and then five five minutes, 10 minutes later, someone buying the same item, even though it's the only one you had left. So you've got to make sure you've got the integration between your systems if you want to make that work for you. So I think the bricks and clicks boutique owners, they've got to step ahead, but there's still some things that could catch them out. Yeah, the management's a little bit, probably a little bit more difficult. So, Chloe, we're going we're gonna to take a, a short break now. And um, 
For our listeners, we are speaking with Chloe Thomas, an e-commerce expert. Um, She's focused on helping people and companies with e-commerce marketing and helping them make better decisions as they build their path to success. She is the author of several books. Her latest book, Customer Persuasion, How to Influence Your Customers to Buy More and Why an Ethical Approach Always Wins. And you can reach Chloe under ecommercemasterplan.com. She's also can be reached at chloethomas.com. And she has her own podcast, ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. She's on Twitter and on Facebook under ecommerce masterplan. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, leadership trainer, digital native, and business expert. And you can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Is email an important part of your business? It is for us. That's why Voice America partners with MailJet. MailJet lets us create impactful newsletters and deliver them right to the inbox fast. Microsoft, MIT, and Avis trust MailJet for their emailing, and so should you. Go to MailJet.com and use the promo code VOICEAMERICA to start emailing for free today. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we're talking with Chloe Thomas, an e-commerce expert focused on helping companies and people 
build e-commerce businesses. Now, before we took the break, we talked a little bit about, Chloe, about the basics of e-commerce. And now I want to move on because now that we understand it, um, a lot of us say, well, maybe I want to either add e-commerce to, to my um, physical shop that I have, um, add that to my business or build an e-commerce platform. So um, if I'm a small business or I want to mm-hmm. start a business, how do I even begin to build a platform? So you're already in business. In that yeah. case, let's, let's, let's uh, take two. Yeah, we can start with yeah. the person already in business. Yeah. Cool. Well, the first thing to do is just is to, you know, sense check is e-commerce the right way to go for you. Make sure maybe your existing customers are interested in buying online from you. See if there are new business, new customer segments you could tap into by going online because it's quite a lot of work to set up an e-commerce platform. And it's a lot easier than it was five years ago. It's a lot easier than it even was two years ago, but it's still a lot of work to get it right. So first, I've just sense checked that. Then what you need to do is to find yourself a software platform on which you can build your e-commerce store that has the right integrations to your existing system. So like I mentioned before, when we're talking about the Bricks and Clicks boutique, women's boutique, you want to make sure that you are integrating with your point of sale system, your POS system, to make sure those that stock is synced. And so there's the same information in both places and stock is just the starting point then it goes into you know images content customer services and all the rest of it so take a look at what what systems you've already got make sure you're finding an e-commerce platform that can integrate with all of those then it's a case of creating working out what you need and then finding the software solution or the agency that can build what you need Mm-hmm. And so if I, if I'm, let's just keep the, on the existing business. So I'm a small business, existing business, and, and I find the right f- software. Uh, I know I have to integrate it now. Is there anything that I have to do uh, to alert my customers? I mean, how, you know, how, how do I let them know? I mean, I'm going to talk about marketing later, but just mm-hmm. is there anything immediately that I have to know to just get this launched? Well, launch is the important word there. Okay. I strongly advise everyone not to tell your customers you're building a website until you've built it. By all means, do some research, maybe get a handful of them to test it out before you put it live. But don't do that email blast to everyone saying new websites going live on Monday mm-hmm. because odds on something will happen and it won't go live on Monday. There is so much testing to do to put an e-commerce site live. Wait until it's live. Wait until you know it's working and then tell your customers. And once it's up and it's working and you're ready to tell them, tell them via every means you have because this should be an improvement to their experience of dealing with your brand. Therefore, you mm-hmm. want them all to know about it. Okay. So let's let's take let's take the other person for a minute, Chloe. Let's mm-hmm. take the, the let's say um, I've decided that I want to start a business at home, okay? Yeah. So how do I how do I start down that path? I'm interested in, and I have a product. We let's say it's some great product. I don't know what, but I mean, watches for but cats. Okay, okay, watches for cats. Okay, okay, and okay. Uh, okay so, um, so what what do I do now? Well, it's, it's it's the same, but without the integration problems. So you need to find a website that's going to going to enable you, or a, a software on which you can build the your e-commerce website that's going to enable you to focus on 
what comes next, which is the marketing. So what you don't want is something that's complex and time consuming to set up. You want something that's going to do a lot of the hard work for you. So as you can spend your time getting traffic to that website, which will bring you sales rather than spending your time tweaking code and tweaking images and and all that stuff, which I find is one of the biggest ways e-commerce business owners, especially new e-commerce business owners, procrastinate and fail to build their business is because they get a little bit obsessed with what their website looks like Mm -hmm. and not obsessed enough about the numbers and the traffic and the sales. Mm -hmm. So if, I mean, it seems like human nature to get obsessed on what the website looks Mm -hmm. like, okay? Um, But is there anything that needs to go on an e-commerce website to ensure that it is successful? Oh, so many things, but I guess (laughs) you could could summarize them down into two. Uh, One side of it is something which you want to eradicate from your website, and one is something which is going to, I guess... um, which is going to increase sales. I was going to use you so which is not going to make sense until I've told you about the first one. So the first one is about removing friction from your website because mm-hmm. humans, we are very easily distracted. Um, we are very easily put off. And what we need to do with our websites is to make sure they are as frictionless as possible. What that doesn't mean is you don't get out some sandpaper and go around the corners of the images. What it means you need to do is to look at your website and go, right, what would stop me from buying? Have I, uh, when we're talking about the watches for cats, have I said about how these watches get wound up? Have I said what the size is? Have I got the colors correct? Have I explained the options? Have I explained the delivery? Is all the information there where the customer needs to see it? And that's how you you remove the friction is by making sure it's as kind of idiot proof as possible as you go through and as reassuring mm-hmm. as possible so the second thing kind of lubricates that friction so you re- you've removed as much friction as possible and then the second thing you can do add some lubrication which means people just fly through the process and don't n- notice the little bits of friction which are left and that's to build trust in your website mm-hmm. and trust comes from uh, review scores, from testimonials, from great customers you've worked with, from um, awards, all you know, newspaper mentions and PR. You need that everywhere because that's going to build trust, and that's the that's the lubric- lubrication which deals with the bits of friction which you can't deal with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's say let me go a step further here, and I want to come back to the marketing and the trust um, a little bit later. So uh, I've got it up, whether yep. I'm uh, whether I'm a boutique or or I'm doing it at home. Now there's other things I have to think about also too, like the distribution. Um, yeah. And and shipping, okay, um, you know these are pretty big things. So any suggestions on that? I I guess they'd be different with your existing business, as you said, to have the inventory. And if you're if you're not, how do you go about that? Solving that problem. Yeah, I mean a lot of when you're on the boutique side of things and you've already got you've got your physical store, then you're probably going to want to do the pick and pack from the store. So you keep all your stock in one place. Mm-hmm. So that's fairly straightforward. Um, but, you know, remember your team will need to have time to pick and pack as well as look after customers. So you may want to put some systems and, and processes in place to make sure it's being done at the right times of the day. If you're doing it yourself, you know, when you're starting that business from home, 
then most people will start doing the pick, pack and dispatch themselves. And I think that's a pretty good way of going about it because you're going to, you get hands on your product. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you get your product, it's available to, for people to buy. There's no shipping it here there and the and other, everywhere else um it also means you start to understand more about what the customer wants and what you want from that pick pack and dispatch process you know are there couriers you like working with and couriers you don't are there box sizes that work and box sizes that don't are there ways you want it packaged to add to that brand feeling or not um so you can get to get so it's a good way of learning how it all works is to do it yourself. But you will get to a point where you find you're spending far too much picking and packing and dispatching, which is time which you really should be spending on things to grow your business, not simply getting the product out the door. And then I am a huge fan of outsourcing your product packaging as soon as soon as it makes sense for your business. And there are so many great services out there these days who will do that for you, where they will you know, you can have the goods shipped straight to them from the warehouse or the, you know, from the manufacturer and they will do your quality checking. They will do your parcels, however you like. And the other great thing is they tend to enable you to tap into some couriers, which you don't, you might not have the right volume for because they're putting multiple retailers volumes together. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's how I'd approach it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there's a couple, there's a couple other words that kind of mm-hmm. fly around in in this e-commerce space, like um, drop shipping. Okay, what what does that uh-huh. mean when I hear that? Drop shipping, in its really simple form, is rather than the manufacturer of the product sending you a pallet of a hundred for you to then send on one by one as they get order from your customer, the manufacturer holds on to them, and when you get an order. You tell them, they ship it to the customer, they charge you for what they've sent to the customer, you charge the customer for ha- you know with your markup, and therefore you don't have to worry about holding stock, processing stock, cash flowing stock. It's all that's being done by the manufacturer for you. Mm-hmm. And on this, on this way of distributing, are there more concerns, quality concerns, or because you're actually not even seeing that product or touching it? Yeah. And the other way, you might have outsourced it, but you saw it and touched it first. Are there other concerns that surround something like a drop shipping? Um, it's not my favorite way of doing things because I think there's an awful lot of um, a lot of value to be had in making sure that first physical interaction that the customer has with you is as perfect as possible, you know, and, is, and it's as on brand as possible. And often when you're drop shipping, you don't get to use your own boxes, your own mm-hmm. packing methods, your own inserts, and all this sort of thing into your parcel. So that's a bit of a downside, but that's not always the case. It depends on who's doing your drop shipping for you. So it's it's there's pros and cons to both methods you know the cash flow is a massive bonus if you're going drop shipping because you don't have to buy the stock until you sell it mm-hmm. but your control over the customer experience is much lower and there's a lot you should be checking before you start turning on that drop shipping shipping method you know you want to know that the product's great you want to make sure that of how they're picking and packing it so you've got quite a lot of testing to do with your supplier before you turn that on Mm-hmm. Okay, so stay, staying along this shipping mm-hmm. and, and everything else that goes around the website, um, what about other issues such as such as legal issues, um, guarantees, and um, uh, things like that? What do you have to think about as you start to this business about you, re- return policies, guarantees, anything like that? 
Well, just like with any business, you need to comply with the legislation of the company that you're in, of the company that you're in, the country that you're selling into. Um, Some of that is based on the country that you're in. Some of that's based on the country that your customers are in. So you need to make sure you know what your requirements are. The sort of things that's going to usually cover is um, privacy policy, sorry, not privacy policy, data protection, which encompasses Mm -hmm. privacy policies and all that sort of thing, consumer data. That's becoming more rigorous, but not as horrendous as recent news stories would might make you think. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the other side of it is usually, um, you know, generally being nice to your customers. So things like returns policies, right to cancellation and such things. The clever thing to do with those in particular is to turn them into a trust metric. So in um, the UK, we have to give customers 28 days to cancel their orders. So why not say 28 day no quibble money back guarantee? Mm-hmm. Because you're le- you legally have to do it, but make it sound nice and put it in front of the customer, which adds the adds the trust, which of course is a nice lubricator across the fr- the friction. So you can turn them to your advantage, and they're not quite as scary as they might have first appear. Mm. Yeah, I think I think we, especially we here in Europe, have just gone through GDPR, so everybody's a little bit scared about everything. So, <laughs> but uh, no, I think that's a super tip: is to to put you know to to put some of these policies on there and turn them into niceness. Um, yeah. You know, yes, we return it. That's that's really a great tip. So, um, Chloe, I'm we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to kind of get into. Um, the fun part, which is kind of the marketing and um, getting your brand out there and also talk a little bit about your book and uh, some of the things that you suggest in your book. So we're going to take a break now. And for our listeners, we are speaking with Chloe Thomas, an e-commerce expert focused on helping companies build e-commerce, whether it's big companies, new companies, or small companies. She helps everybody. And her recent book is on Amazon and is a bestseller called Customer Persuasion, How to Influence Your Customers to Buy More and Why an Ethical Approach Always Wins. And you can reach Chloe at ecommercemasterplan.com. And there you can send her a mail. You can listen to her podcast. And I think, Chloe, you also have um, some training sessions on there, don't you? I do, yes. Uh, I've got training courses on email marketing and on GDPR. Um, anyone's still catching up on that one at the moment. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's a good one, too, because I can tell you, I can uh, still getting questions on that. <laughs> so mm, me too. Want, yeah. So if you want to reach out to Chloe, please do. Um, she can also be seen in Chloe thomas.com and i'm kimberly lewis you're listening to leadership beyond borders on voice america business channel and i'm your host please reach out to me with questions and comments at leadership beyond borders at gmail.com and with that we'll be right back Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Is email an important part of your business? It is for us. That's why Voice America partners with MailJet. MailJet lets us create impactful newsletters and deliver them right to the inbox fast. Microsoft, MIT, and Avis trust MailJet for their emailing, and so should you. Go to MailJet.com and use the promo code VOICEAMERICA to start emailing for free today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And this is one of the best series for learning about global leadership and business issues. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis. And today we're speaking with Chloe Thomas, an e-commerce expert. She focuses on helping companies get e-commerce off the ground. She is also the author of a bestseller on Amazon, Customer Persuasion, How to Influence Your Customers to Buy More and Why an Ethical Approach Always Wins. So, Chloe, thank you. We've gotten some real good advice on on, on getting a, a e-commerce enabled into your website or starting one. And I'd like to move on to the subject of marketing, winning, and gaining customers. And and you have um, influencing customers, as you talked about in your book. So I'm going to start kind of on a high level. Let's, let's begin with finding customers, audience targeting. Um, what's the first thing you need to know about this? Oh, wow. That's a big question. Um, <laughs> so... So the first thing to do really is to is to start trying to work out who your target customer is. Now, for some of you, that will have been the first thing before you even started picking a product was who your target customer is going to be. For some of you, it will have been identifying the product and then um, trying to work out who the best customers were. Your, I guess the other the other key thing to say on this is that your cust- target customer will evolve. So don't think you have to make it absolutely perfect on day one because you will discover that some of the people you thought you'd be selling to actually you can't cost effectively get get your business in front of them Um, so you may have to tweak your you know your age profile you may have to tweak your gender profile you may have to tweak which parts of the country it works 
you know, that work for you. So it's it's not just about who the ideal customer is. It's also about who the ideal customer is, who you can reach cost effectively. But you'll work that part of the puzzle out as you go down the journey of, of testing your testing and measuring your marketing to them. So I guess that's that's kind of the first thing to know about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I'm, we, we've been, always been talking about two business segments here. Mm-hmm. The the one, the businesses, the boutiques that have the physical business, and then the people starting from their homes. Now, um, if I'm targeting, and I'm actually a business, a small business that has a business. How do I combine in a marketing sense and targeting sense, how do I combine that online and offline, that physical and that digital presence as from from marketing point of view with branding and things like that? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question because the, the answer is kind of simple, but it's also very complicated. So on the simple side, it's about whenever you're doing some advertising that you think will you know, some online advertising that you believe will impact your store as well as your website, then make sure you tell people you've got both. When you're doing offline advertising, you know, in maybe in your local town or your local city, that's primarily about your physical store, make sure you're also telling them about the website. So you've got to kind of get both of those sides into it. And it may seem a bit strange that in your online advertising, maybe you're mentioning the fact you've got a physical store, but that's a massive trust signal. You know, you're Mm -hmm. clearly a business who's put some money behind this if you've got a physical location. So that can be can can help increase response rates and conversion rates to your online advertising. So that's the that's kind of like the the simple answer is mention both of them every time you do some advertising. Mm -hmm. The more difficult side of it is trying to track the results because it's very easy. it's, It's a lot easier to track your advertising spend to sales on your e-commerce store than it is to track to your offline store. So the the tracking of the results of your marketing can be a bit more complicated in terms of trying to work out where people have come from um, and what which piece of advertising is actually generating greater sales for your whole business, not just the online part. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and let me just make it more complicated for a minute. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Go with it. So now, I mean, there's there's so much rise in mobile location data and in this convergence of the digital and the um, offline experience. How, how, can, how can we combine this mobile location data and this mobile experience with the e-commerce experience? Well, the most interesting things I've seen about using mobile data, location data and such things is actually how people are using it to improve customer service, not to improve marketing. So several of the stores in the UK where click and collect is huge. That's where you order online and then you pick it up from a physical Mm -hmm. store. And a lot of those businesses are now um, identifying when the customer walks through the doors of the store so they can make sure that their parcel's ready for them when they get to the parcel collection point thus saving them from having to wait as long and making sure they can give them a better experience. So that's where, you know, when it, when all this came out, we got really excited about what we could do as marketers, mm-hmm. but none of that really came off all that hugely well. Um, but the <laughs> biggest, you know, the most impressive case studies about return on investment from this are actually in terms of improving customer service. Mm-hmm. That said, on the more simple side, if you know someone's in your local town, then make sure you're telling them about your physical store in the email marketing you send them in you know the Facebook ads and and so forth. So there's there's kind of different elements to this location side of things, but it's the 
it's the whole bright, shiny object thing, which I, I tend to talk about quite a lot because in the world of e-commerce, there are a lot of bright, shiny objects that we can get very distracted by. And what it's important to do is to think, is to identify the problems you need to solve and then find the technology that will help you solve them, not get it, get excited by bright, new, shiny, exciting um, mm-hmm. tech, which is not to say that mobile location data couldn't be great for you, but get excited about it for what it could do for your customers, not because it's mobile location data. Mm-hmm. And it's still evolving, and we're seeing changes oh, yeah. every day, aren't we? It's, it's just great. So um, when we're talking about marketing, and you said Facebook and Instagram, what do you have any suggestions on getting that word out, okay? Um, how, do, how do you get those audiences? Uh, how do you get people to know your website is out there? How do you get those clicks? Are you, Facebook, Instagram, anything else you could suggest? Well, the, the first thing you need to know is that just putting your website up there isn't going to let people know you exist. Mm-hmm. You have to put some effort in and you have to put some money in. That's the second thing you need to know is that you can't assume that you can grow a massive business without spending any marketing money. And I'm not even talking about time. I'm talking about cold, hard cash into advertising platforms because you can wait around for a very long time hoping that that organic the non-paid-for bit, the natural social media, the Google search and so forth. You can wait around for a long time hoping they're going to kick in. Um, But if you want to be building reliable, steady sales growth, you've got to start putting your money behind it. You've got to start paying for ads. Where those ads are going to be best for you is going to depend on your product and it's going to depend on your target market. So there's a lot of testing ahead of you. So Definitely test Facebook ads, definitely test Instagram ads, definitely test Google ads. Obviously, there's probably some caveats around that, but those are the three, the three big ones for spending Mm -hmm. your money and getting the the traffic back. The other thing which may be worth looking into is influencers as well. But Mm -hmm. you have to pay some money if you really want to get traction. Mm-hmm. So once, so let's say I've paid the money, I have the traction. I want to go to your book because you yeah. talk in your book, you talk in your book about um, turning visitors into buyers. Okay, H- how do you do that? So I might get the clicks now. How do I turn them into buyers, and how do I turn them into repeat buyers? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so for, for the benefit of your listeners, the book is built around a model called the Customer Master Plan model, which is it's my my attempt to condense e-commerce into one simple model, which I I think it does quite effectively. The readers tell me it does as well. So it's six circles, which are your customer relationship levels. And everyone has a level of relationship with you. Could be they're part of the world. So they may have heard of you. They may not have, but they've certainly never been to your website. Then they become a visitor. Then they become um, an inquirer. So they've given you their email address. Then they can become a first-time buyer, repeat buyer, and regular buyer. And the book is all about how to get people to make those leaps. So we know a place where a lot of businesses fall down is they get a visitor and that person just leaves again. Most Mm e-commerce websites have a conversion rate to sale of well under 5%. Um, And that means at least 95% of the people coming to your website are leaving again. They're not buying, they're going somewhere else. That's, that's awful, especially because you're probably Mm. paying for quite a bit of that traffic. So you've got to do everything you can to try and convert them. And there's two things I think you should be trying to convert them to do. One is to become a first-time buyer and to buy. So to make sure that happens, you need to remove all the friction, as we talked about earlier, add the trust, add that lubrication to the website. But you also need to make sure that the message which they've been hearing about you before they got to your website is the same one they're getting on the website. It's literally 
same phraseology, but also that the, the brand experience is, is held up and is the same. But the other side of it is you want to try and get their email address. Because if you can get their email address, it's a lot easier to get someone's email address than it is to get someone's money. Uh, and <laughs> it gives them a chance to trust you. Because when, when, they sign, when they sign up to your newsletter, you will have promised them that they can unsubscribe at any time. You'll, you may have promised them a discount voucher. And you'll have promised them some kind of great quality content. If you can deliver on those things in the next couple of emails... They've trusted you with their email address and you've proved that you're trustworthy. That massively increases the likelihood of them buying. And of course, in a welcome campaign that comes out that they get after they've signed up, you can also tell them everything that they need to know about your business. You know, either you have a physical store or imagine you have a physical store and a customer comes in and they seem kind of interested. What would you tell them about the history of the business? Tell them that via the email campaign. I have clients, I have people who've been on my podcast who will convert at least 25%, if not 35% of the people who sign up into buyers. So it's well worth trying to get that email sign up, not just going hell for leather for the, um, for the sale in the first instance. Mm-hmm. And this is what you talk about in your book. And for our listeners, the book is great. I um, had a chance to read the book over the weekend. And uh, the book's fantastic. I urge you to get it and download it from Amazon. But you talk a little bit about the, this is about the conversation you're having with that mm-hmm. future customer, isn't it? You know, the, building yeah. that trust through conversation. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Chloe, we're starting to get to the end of this podcast. And it's been really exciting. And um, i just like to ask you you for a couple tips okay cool. so so as we said um, we have listeners who actually are SMBs who have physical locations and want to incorporate e-commerce what would be maybe one or two tips you could say to them to do well the number one tip to uh, partly to, to reiterate something I mentioned earlier would be to make sure you're going to have a stock integration So stock information integration. So you have the same quantity of stock in your physical store and in your online store. So you're not accidentally selling things you don't have. It's quite hard to do that when you have a physical store. It's very easy to do that when you have an online store. So make sure that um, can be integrated into your e-commerce site. And then make sure you're, you're creating that as much as you can, that same brand experience that people get when they come into your store on your website. So the same quality of look and feel, great quality product images, great information about those products. You know, get your sales team to write your product information because they'll know what the customer wants to know about. So make sure it's, it's, it, it has the same feel as your physical location. Super tips. And what about those of us who might be sitting at home and saying, I want to start a business, an e-commerce business from my home? What would you be the two tips that you have to tell us? Well, the first one would be um, before you start the website, get some feedback on the products, not just from your mum or your sister or your brother. (laughs) Uh, Go out to some people you've never met before show them the product prototype pictures whatever you've got and say to them how much would you pay for this would you buy it you know and and find out whether they actually like it and listen to their feedback try not to be defensive it's really hard i know try not to be defensive but make sure you've you've got that feedback coming in because that's going to tell you a lot and it's a lot easier to change your products before you've created a whole website around it than it is after you've created a website around it. The other thing I would say is my, my personal mantra 
is keep optimizing because mm-hmm. that's what we have to do in life. Nothing is ever finished. Um, in the world of e-commerce especially, it's never finished. So that means two things for those of you who are starting off from scratch. One, keep looking at what's happening and finding ways to improve it um, and changing up what you're doing until you find the, the method that works. But almost more importantly, put it live. It's not going to be perfect the first time it goes live. Don't waste weeks trying to fix that one last thing when you sh- you could be getting data and you could be getting information back. So keep optimizing also means putting it live when it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. So as you can start learning and learning and learning from your customers, from your traffic and from what they do. So, so there you go. Yeah. So it's kind of the go for it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much Great. Well, thank you. I mean, this has been really great. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Chloe Thomas. She's an e-commerce expert focused on helping companies build their e-commerce platforms. She is also the host of the e-commerce master plan podcast and virtual summit. And you can listen to that online, right? You can look that up under ecommercemasterplan.com, right, Chloe? Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you go there, you'll find links to everything I'm up to. Um, Great. So, yeah, lots and lots of free resources, too. So. Yeah, so please go to our website, ecommercemasterplan.com, and also look on Amazon, her book, Customer Persuasion, How to Influence Your Customers to Buy More and Why an Ethical Approach Always Wins is also a great read, informative. Uh, as I said, I read it over the weekend. Super job, Chloe. Thank you for all the insights. Thank you. And um, thank you for being on the show. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and we have a range of great guests on this series, and I'm happy Happy to come join you at your event and talk to you about my global experiences and how to grasp some of the changes we are talking about. Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020. We do executive coaching and leadership training for women, as well as systemic team coaching, motivational speaking, and more. If you'd like to contact me, please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net or Women's Leadership Academy 2020. We're also on Facebook under Leadership Beyond Borders, on LinkedIn under Kimberly Lewis, and on Twitter under Leadership GBT. Each week, I leave you with a leadership word or a tip. And this week, I'm going to leave you with a thought that sometimes we really need to think a lot out of the box. And we heard Chloe today on her tips. She's been in e-commerce for quite a few years, giving advice to businesses. And um, one of the things I took away, Chloe, was also is um, be brave, think out of the box, be creative, and uh, go for it because the world is changing and e-commerce is an ever-growing way to buy and sell. So we should kind of all get on board. So with that, I'd like to thank you for listening and please listen to us again every Tuesday next week, every Tuesday at 3 p.m., specific time or download us on iTunes or Google Play. And with that, thanks, Chloe, and until the next show. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.